Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Father, we thank you this morning for being a loving God who doesn't leave us in ignorance, but Lord, teaches us. And so, Lord, we pray that as we put our ears now to your word that you would, Lord, help us to hear and be taught in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. That's our verse this morning. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now here, the Lord is now in this verse that we're gonna be studying this morning. The Lord's speaking to a person or about a person who is hungering and thirsting. This is not just a person who is just hungry, but it's a person who is in the process of hungering and thirsting. There's an intensity here. It's describing a person who's so hungry, he's like starving to death. A person who's so thirsty, there's the intensity is that he's thirsting to death. And it's not a hunger for food. It's not a thirst for water that's killing him. And the question is, as we look at this verse, is what is he hungry for? What is he thirsty for? What does a person feel that he has to have? What's the great need in this person's life? And what is he craving? And the answer is given to us. The Lord tells us it's righteousness. This person doesn't have righteousness. This is a person who craves righteousness. This is a person who's dying for lack of righteousness. He's thirsting after righteousness. What's happened here? What's happened to this person? Sin has made this person to be without righteousness. So the person's a sinner, and he has no righteousness. And this gives us the key now when we see this in verse 6, that he is without righteousness. And now we understand, as we look at this, this is the same person that we're seeing in verse three, it's the same person in verse three, this person who is poor in spirit. It's the same person in verse four who's mourning. It's the same person in verse five who's meek. And it all comes clear for us now as we see this in verse six, this person is hungering, thirsting after righteousness that he doesn't have. He's a sinful person. He's a sinful person of verse three whose own sin has robbed him of peace with God. Now he's the person it has spoken about in Isaiah 57, 20. Isaiah 57, 20, when it describes the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There's no peace, saith my God to the wicked. So that's what the sin of this person has done for him in verse three. It's robbed him. It's made him poor of peace. The sin in verse three has robbed this person of freedom He doesn't have any freedom because he's like the person that the Lord Jesus described in John 8, 34. John 8, 34, where Jesus answered them saying, Verily I say unto thee, 
unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. It's a person described in Proverbs 5.22. Proverbs 5.22, which says, his own iniquity shall take the wicked himself. He shall be holden with the cords of sin. This person's been robbed of freedom in verse three. He's poor, freedom. This person in verse three has been robbed of life. It says in James 1.14, James 1.14, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. That's this person. Brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. So this person in verse three has been robbed of life. He's poor of life. In verse three, he has robbed him of cleanness. He doesn't have any cleanness anymore. It says in Isaiah 64, 6, Isaiah 64, 6, we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. In Revelation 3.17, it says, Revelation 3.17, thou art wretched and miserable. So this person in verse three has been robbed of cleanness. He's poor of cleanness. The sin of this person in verse three has robbed him of his honor, as it says in Jeremiah 3.25, Jeremiah 3.25, we lie down in our shame and confusion covers us, for we have sinned against the Lord our God. This person's been robbed of his honor. He's poor of honor. In verse three, it's robbed him of any chance to get close to God. As it says in Isaiah 59.2, Isaiah 59.2, your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you. He will not hear. And so this person in verse three is poor in spirit. He's been robbed and his poverty has brought him to a state in verse four where he's sad, and he's mourning. He's mourning over his own sin and what it has cost him. He tries to come to God, but he can't, because it says in James 4, 8, James 4, 8, draw nigh to God, you sinners, be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning. He's drawing near to God, but he feels his sin, and he's mourning over the fact that he's gonna stand before God He knows he's gonna stand before God. He knows he's gonna be judged for his sin. And this person who is poor in spirit, verse three, who's mourning over his sin, poor in spirit because sin has robbed him, he's mourning over his sin in verse three, and now he's waiting for judgment, and that has made him meek in verse five. Meek, he's meek because he knows judgment is just around the corner. He has no chance of justifying himself, so he's waiting there in meekness. He's so meek, he doesn't even lift his eyes up like the publican sinner in Luke 18, 13. Luke 18, 13, which says, the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's a meek person. That's our person in verse five. And now we understand, now we read that he's suffering hunger. He feels hungry. He feels empty inside. He feels unsatisfied. He wants to be full. This is our man. He's sitting there in verse six, and he's feeling this intense lack of righteousness, and he feels like the prodigal son from Luke 15, 14, Luke 15, 14, who had spent all, and there was a big famine in the land where he, and it says he began to be in want, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and sent him into his fields to feed swine, And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks of the swine did he, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough to eat to spare, and I perish with hunger. That's our person here in verse six. He's perishing with hunger. He starts out his life, he had good intentions, 
but he's fallen into sin, and now he's perishing and he, with this feeling of hunger and thirst for righteousness, and he's looking for a way to have life. He wants eternal life, and he wonders, how can he have eternal life? How can he obtain eternal life? Just like the person who came to the Lord Jesus Christ with that question, how can I obtain eternal life? He asked the Lord Jesus in Matthew 19, 16, Matthew 19, 16, behold, one came and said unto him, good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, why callest thou me good? There's none good but one, that's God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, which? Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder, not commit adultery, not steal, shall not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, all these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Then Jesus, with the divine finger, put his finger right on the knee, and Jesus said unto him, thou, if thou would be perfect, go sell what thou hast, give it to the poor, you'll have treasures in heaven. Come, follow me. When the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. That man was told that there was none good but God, which meant that he was speaking to God. And outwardly, he thought, well, I'm good. Outwardly, he thought, I'm not guilty of murder. I'm not guilty of adultery. I'm not guilty of robbery or lying or not honoring my father and my mother. Well, here was God in the person of the Lord Jesus commanding him to sell everything he had and give it to the poor. And that man said, no. And with that answer, his sin came out. What's his sin? He put money before God. It was God telling him to do that. He put money before God. His sin was to not to love the Lord his God above his money. His sin was idolatry. He put money over God. So, no eternal life for him. No righteousness, no eternal life. That's our man here in verse six. He's hungering and thirsting over the righteousness that he doesn't have. So, where does our man in verse six turn with this hunger and this thirst that's killing him? He goes to the word of God, he reads. He reads, he comes to a verse in Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, verse three verses there. Isaiah 55, one, where it says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth. And he reads that verse and he's so happy. And he says, God's calling me. He says, as if I'm the only person on the earth. He feels like Adam. He feels like Adam who had just sinned against the Lord. Adam was off hiding himself away from God. He feels like Adam felt. Adam was confused. Adam was hurting inside. But he didn't know where to turn. He didn't know what to do. So he ran away from God. He was lost. He had no concept, Adam had no concept of how to stop the hurt inside. Adam felt this shame, he didn't know what to do. And that voice, uh, hurt, and that yearning that Adam felt was in Genesis 3-7, Genesis 3-7, where it says, Genesis 3-7, the eyes of them both were open and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? What a pathetic scene that was to see Adam and Eve. Can you picture them feverishly trying to sew fig leaves together? Cover their, have you ever tried to sew a fig leaf together? <laughs> it's like, you know, it rips, it breaks. They're naked. Before this, they're naked. They're not ashamed. But all of a sudden, they've sinned now. And sin has robbed them of their honor, of their purity, of their innocence. And now they feel so terribly ashamed. And they're hastily trying to get these fig leaves and try to sew them together. You can imagine Adam yelling at Eve, hurry up. It's your fault we have to cover ourselves. The least you can do is sew these things. So, 
And we can imagine that as they sow their, their pathetic fig leaves, probably ripping up it, they're thinking, this can't help us. We can't really think this is going to hide from God with these. And then the ray of light came as it broke through their darkness, and it was the voice of God. And it was breaking through the confusion. And yes, God said, where art thou? But it wasn't the words he said. It's how he sounded when he said it. You know, have you ever watched a mother that loses, like, like Cheryl lost our kids one time in Walmart, I think it was, you know? And the mother realizes that, where's my son? Where's my, you know? And, and that cry, you know, it's not a calm cry. It's a, you know, where art thou? Where are you? That's how God called out you know, with this yearning. And that's what our hungry man and thirsty man in verse six, he hears the longing, he hears the yearning voice of God calling to him in, in Isaiah 55, one. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, you know, you out there that are thirsty. And so he reads in Isaiah 55, one. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. He that hath no money, come, buy, eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money, without price. So our man in verse six, he reads this in Isaiah 55, one, that God has spoken and he hears God saying, come, and he understands that God is calling him to come. He understands it's all up to him now. He's gonna decide he's gonna come or not. God's not gonna drag him out. God didn't drag Adam out from his hiding. Adam has to come out. And he realizes he has to come out, he has to surrender. He's got to choose. He's going to come or not come. That's his choice, just like the Lord Jesus said to a group who had made their choice. And he said in John 5.40, John 5.40, you will not come to me that you might have life. No coming, no eternal life. Just that simple. So here in Isaiah 55.1, God's done everything. And his invitation now, he says, come. This is such an important invitation. It's the last invitation in the Bible in Revelation 22:17, Revelation 22:17, where the spirit joins with the bride, Christians, and they say, come, and says, and let him that heareth say, come. In other words, they call out, come, and the person says, I come, and let him that is a thirst, come. That's our man, the thirsty man. Let him that is a thirst, come, and whosoever will, let him drink of the, take of the water of life freely. So our man hears God calling to the thirsty in Isaiah 55, 1. And then, in this chapter 55, as he's reading along in Isaiah, he realizes this is just two chapters after the 53rd of Isaiah 53, describes how the Lord Jesus Christ suffered for us, died for our sins. In Isaiah 53, 5, it says, Isaiah 53, 5, he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquity, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep, we've gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. So our man, in verse six, he needs the Isaiah 53 justification. Isaiah 53, 11 talks about justification. Isaiah 53, 11, when God says, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Now, this is exactly what the man in verse six needs. He needs a righteousness from a justification from a Messiah who will bear his sins and die for his sins. So the invitation in Isaiah 55, one, is to come to the waters, drink and eat. And the person is invited to help himself to water and wine and milk. In verse one, Isaiah 55, one, ho everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat, and yea, come buy wine and milk without money, without price. Well, water 
water obviously satisfies this deep thirst inside. And wine, wine makes a person happy. In Psalm 104, verse 15, it says, wine makes glad the heart of man, and milk nourishes. So the invitation here is to be satisfied, is to be made happy, it's to be made nourished in the soul. But there's two conditions. There's two conditions for this call. The conditions are not for everyone. It's only for the person who meets the two conditions. And the two conditions that the person has to have in order to be satisfied, made happy, and nourished spiritually, first the call comes out in verse 1, Isaiah 55, 1, 55, 1, ho, everyone that thirsteth. So a person has to know that he's thirsty inside. If a person thinks, well, I don't need anything in life. I've got it made. Then the call is just not for him. Sorry, not for you. The call is not for a person who sees himself as the Laodiceans saw themselves in Revelation 3.17. Revelation 3.17, where the Lord said to them, because thou sayest, I am rich. Think about that. Because thou sayest, I am rich, increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked. See, even though a person can be really all of us are, wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, if he sees himself as not needing God, then God's not calling him. God's not calling him because the Lord Jesus was only calling those that were thirsty. Ho, everyone that thirsteth. The Lord Jesus Christ called out to those who were thirsty in John 7.37, John 7.37, when it says, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirst." let him come unto me and drink. Now, the feast there that he said that, everyone talks about the great feast, that was the Feast of Tabernacles. Feast of Tabernacles is a very interesting feast. It's the feast where it's the remembrance of when Israel was in the desert for 40 years living in tents, tabernacles. They didn't have any way to grow food. They were moving around all the time. They were totally dependent on God for those 40 years for food, for water. Food came out of the sky, manna. Water sometimes came out of a rock. And during those 40 years, it was very memorable for Israel because God specifically let them go hungry. He says that in Deuteronomy 8.3, Deuteronomy 8.3. He humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. So this is a feast to remember that. It was celebrated every year for eight days, the Feast of Tents, the Feast of Tabernacles. Remember, to remember how Israel got hungry during those 40 years in the desert, and God fed them during that time. Now, there was a tradition, it's not in the Bible, and nobody really knows where this came from, but there was a tradition that on the last day of the feast that the priest would go down to the pool of Siloam, and he would take a pitcher of water, and then he would go back up to the temple and mix it with wine, and then he would pour it out at the altar of sacrifice. So this is this last day of the feast, the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles when they're remembering the needs of Israel in the desert. And as everyone is watching the priest collect the water and mix it with the wine and pour it out at the altar, just at that moment, Jesus cries out in John 7.37, John 7.37, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. What did he mean? He meant that if any man knows that he's thirsty in his soul, then he's invited to come. He's invited because he's made promises 
about people who come to him, like in John 6.35, John 6.35, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth in me shall never thirst. He talked about hunger and thirst, and it never happening for the person who came to him. This is our man in verse six. He's hungering and thirsting, and he calls him, the Lord Jesus calls himself the bread of life that will make a person never hunger, never thirst. Just imagine bread and how bread is made. I mean, bread starts off with some kind of seed, for example, corn, and the seeds are crushed. The Bible speaks about, in Isaiah 28, 28, Isaiah 28, 28, bread corn is bruised to make bread. The seed, the corn, the kernels of corn are bruised. They're threshed, they're crushed. Reminds us of the Lord Jesus when it says in Isaiah 28, 28, bread corn is bruised, how it says in Isaiah 53, 5, 53, 5, he was bruised for our iniquities. And then bread corn is bread flour is then baked. There's a children's story that's just terrible, and it really ought to be labeled child terrorism. It's the story of Hansel and Gretel. Nobody should read this story. If you've got kids, never read them this story. Don't allow them to do this. This is terrible. A child pushing a woman into an oven, that's over the top. But anyways, that's Hansel and Gretel. But this is what the Lord Jesus did for us. He entered into this oven of suffering when he saved us from our sins. He's all alone in the oven. He's suffering. And the voice that comes out that you hear from the oven is the voice of Psalm 22.1. Psalm 22.1. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? So all this bruising of the corn used to make the bread is so he could become the bread of life. All this suffering like in an oven to be baked that he endured is so that he could become our bread of life, satisfy the deep hunger of our souls. So he's only calling those who know they are thirsty in their souls. That's the first condition. A person must know that he is deeply thirsty, deeply hungry in his soul. A person to be blessed has to meet that condition of Matthew 5, 6, of verse 6. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst. The second condition, it says, in Isaiah 55, 1, Isaiah 55, 1, ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. He that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Come, buy wine, milk, without money, without price. Now, that seems crazy. I mean, how can a person come and buy wine and milk with no money? How can a person be called that has no money to then buy? wine and milk. And this is the second condition for a person to be able to come and drink and eat. He has to come with no money. He has to know that he has no money. Now, money is what you use to purchase things. Money has bargaining power. A person who knows he has no money knows that he has nothing to buy what he needs. And this is the second condition of the person who comes to God. Just like the hymn says, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Naked, I come to thee for dress. Helpless, look to thee for grace. Foul, I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. Not the labor of my hands could fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All could never erase sin. Thou must save and thou alone. So if a person comes to God with money, so to speak, he's got the money of his good works, and he expects to be rewarded with heaven because of what he's done, the invitation's not for him. It's not for him. You gotta come with no money. 
Because the invitation is only for those who have no money, nothing to give to God in exchange for heaven. The invitation call is only to those who are thirsty and who have no money. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 